Welcome back to the Effort of Everything podcast. I'm your host, Jason Kleep. On today's episode, Gabe, Giannis, and I, we're back on the mic. We're talking about a new product from Rogue called the Back Widow. I sent it to Gabe. I had never heard of it before. He gave us some reviews on it. Pretty cool product. Dive into fitness, a lot of testing of workouts. I share some of the workouts I've been doing lately. Really, really good workouts. Make sure to listen to that. And then finish up talking about bodybuilding, demands of it, and a variety of different fitness, business, family things that are going on for us. I hope you and your entire crew are doing amazing. Have a kick-ass week. As per usual, simple ask. If you get value out of this podcast, you enjoy listening to it, leave us a rating, leave us a review. Helps out the podcast, helps us out. Simple ask, we'd greatly appreciate it. Without any further ado, let's dive in a great episode with Mr. Gabe Yanez on all things fitness. Let's go. Let's talk about this Back Widow. So I thought it was Black Widow. I did too until the box came. So the it, it's, it's literally Back Widow. That's what the name of the product is. Yeah. So when I was looking at it online, it, it you know, so I ended up, I was, I was on the Rogue Fitness website and I was looking for something for Gabe uh, for Christmas. And I saw this thing called, I thought it was Black Widow. Obviously I was wrong. And uh, dude, it just looks like it has a multi-variety of things you could do. And particularly I was interested because of the T-bar row component, but it sounds like it's way more than just a T-bar row. Yeah. So first of all, thank you. Really appreciate the gift. Um, it, it's, it's pretty badass. So I opened it today. First, I was super surprised at like the weight of the box because it's like not a big piece. Have you like seen it in person? So people should check it out on the Rogue website. Just look up Back Widow because it, I, I mean, it looks like a cool attachment, but it has two moving pieces. So you would think that like, you know, it would be a little bit on the lighter side, but dude, that thing is built like to last like it's it's if anything because i was reading the reviews a little bit the yeah. only negative reviews it gets is that it's like a little difficult to like change the settings but it's because it's like it's built like anything that like rogue sells like that thing is it, it's tough to move because it's like a really solid piece but yeah so it essentially you know for people that are listening to just listening to this think of like the letter w but like you can rearrange it in any sort of way, right? So you can make it kind of a little straighter. You can make it a little narrower. So you can use it for like lat pull downs. You can use it for T-bar rows. You can um, put a dumbbell on it and use it to like a single dumbbell row where now you have two handles. <clears throat> um, it's really cool. Really, really versatile. I used it today for T-bar rows, um, trying to just figure out like a good landmine um setting at at my place so i ended up like putting it all the way up into the corner of the barn with like some padding so i didn't like scratch up the barbell which worked great um but yeah man super super fun toy i was messing around with it a bunch this morning yeah so i have one of those like landmine attachments for the rig um we have one here at the gym but i also have one in my garage i i you don't necessarily have to do one if you want t-bar row because you could just go put in the corner like you said yeah and then you could stand on a couple of plates, right? Is that what you did? That's, ex that's exactly what I did. I stood on yeah. plates. I had it leaned up against the corner. And yeah, it's cool because you can play around with the settings. Um, and since I've gotten so into like, you know, uh, you know, more bodybuilding style training, it's really interesting once you become like very like hyper aware of how different movements activate different body parts, like how even just the width of something like the handle, like does target different things. And it's, it's interesting, man. I've had a lot of fun geeking out on it. Actually, this is pretty funny. This is on my desk. 
Oh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, the encyclopedia of modern day uh, bodybuilding. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Dude, it's a cool book, man. It, it like, I don't know. Part of why I think I'm enjoying this so much is, you know, growing up, I, I was like the, the furthest thing from a meathead. Like I didn't go to the gym. I was the guy on the swim team in college that like, you know, would make believe to be like working out in the weight room when the coach was looking at me. And when he wasn't, I like, I, I had no interest. I had no interest. And I also like, I feel like because all my friends were on the stronger side and had been doing the gym stuff, I almost didn't want to participate because I didn't want to be like bad at it to begin with. So I was just like, you know, I was a really good swimmer. So I just leaned on the fact that like, well, I don't need this to, you know, get better at, at the sport. So I think that I missed out on what I know a lot of people enjoyed about the gym back in the days of like, you know, just thighs oh, yeah. and back um, and yeah, yeah, chest and tries. And like now kind of going back to it, um, it's just been so fun. Like it's been fun to like watch all sorts of like YouTube videos and like buy the encyclopedia of modern bodybuilding and just kind of dive into that stuff. And again, you know, like I love hitting a good NC fit workout every now and then I was doing a whole bunch towards the end of the year. Um, but every now and then it's just so nice to go in there and like, just blast your chest. Dude, it's funny. I was, uh, I don't know how old I was. I was probably a freshman in college. So whatever that puts me at. And I was working at the gym full time and on the weekends, I would, I would, um, I'd be on, be, be the sales guy on the weekends, but dude, when you're the sales guy on the weekends, a lot of times you don't have walk-in traffic and there were some days where just slow. And so I'd be rocking my polo. And I remember specifically just walking downstairs, the weight room and just bodybuilding regularly, because at that point you weren't getting like sweaty and your heart rate up too much. And so I would just go down there and just pump. And then if a walk-in came in, they'd call me over the PA system and I'd run up. But man, I did that for years, dude. I mean, years just, you know, on the days that weren't popping, like particularly like the weekends, I'd just be down there blasting buys and tries getting that. My favorite one was the rope, you know, on the, on the cable machine and yeah. getting that little external rotation, like that little rotation at the bottom to get that horseshoe of the tricep. So, oh, dude, that's why your triceps are so big, dude. I think it was that. And then, uh, I was on crutches for a little bit in high school because I'm an ACL and I think it's those two things, but, um, <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh man, you bring me back. I was thinking about the other day, actually, cause I was, I was thinking about the conventional gym and the impact it played on my life. And, uh, I would regularly go downstairs and just go pump. Um, we, you know, the first workout that really got me into CrossFit, well, aside my first, first, first one was Fran. Uh, but my first like thing that like turned me on was, um, trying to see how fast I could do a hundred reps at 135 bench press. And wow. so the guys and I, dude, we probably did this like every other day for like three months and with the intention of just seeing how fast you can get it down to. And I got it down pretty, pretty low. I can't remember exactly the time, but we would just run down there and be like, Hey, you ready to pump? And me and the other sales guys would battle on the 135. So short, small awesome. story for you guys. That's awesome. I would love to have been a fly on the wall on like young Jason Kalipa giving a sales tour at the Globo gym. Dude. I feel like that would be quite the experience. Dude, I was, I was, uh, I was, I was okay. You know, that's one of the, the best things I think you I've know, ever done. I, I'm sure you were, man. Like, like that job is so much about like, you know, charisma and like, you know, like building rapport with people and like making them feel, I, I can just like knowing you for as long as I've known you, I, it, it, it would have been a trip to like, you know, watch a young Jason selling gym memberships. Uh, the best part about that job was the diversity and the cultures that would come in. 
you know, you, because we were in Milpitas and so you had a large Asian demographic, a large Indian demographic, and then obviously every other race that you could think of. Right. But when the, the people would come in, they'd all be like from so many different walks of life. You'd have an older person, a younger person from just came from India, just came from over here and maybe didn't speak English well, maybe spoke perfect English. Who knows? But the diversity of, of people really required me to not just have like a single script, you know what I'm saying? Like to really get to know people and understand what they were looking for instead of just the same person coming in, you know, ages 25 to 45 white male or whatever it was, I had to know, Hey, how do I talk to a six year old who, you know, is this person or a, you know, it was just, I think that was one of the benefits for me is learning how to talk to people from all different walks of life with so many different backgrounds. Like, you know, some people that came over, who are newer to the United States, like had never even been exposed to a traditional gym. And how do you speak to them versus someone who came up like me when my parents would take me there when I was 15, you speak to them differently, you know? So that was a cool experience for me because you learned how to work. Uh, you learned how to organically talk to different people from different walks of life, which was super valuable. Yeah. Important skill to have, man. Super important skill to have. Um, Dude, you, so see, you see my eye by the way. Oh Yeah. You got beat up again? Yeah, it's a pretty good one, right? Uh, yeah, I got I got headbutted yesterday. Um, anyways, got headbutted. Speaking of uh, BJJ, I have a question for you. Now yeah. that I'm like kind of peripherally a fan of the sport, um, and I just keep up with like people that I that I follow on Instagram. So, how close was Nikki Rod to like you know giving Gordon a, a run for his money? Was it as big of a deal as like it seemed to be, or yeah. pretty close? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a few like conspiracy theories out there that like, you know, Gordon was, uh, you know, you hear people say, Oh, he was off cycle. He wasn't like on his game. Um, but I think ultimately what it was, was the rule set definitely was good for, for Nikki rod, like the rule set that, you know, we talked about a, a couple of shows ago. And then, I mean, Gordon said that, you know, Nikki was like, you know, had oil on him or whatever. It was slippery. But at the end of the day, yeah, it was pretty close. I mean, according to the guys that I know that are like more intimately involved in the sport, they said it was like the closest uh, Gordon's gotten to getting beat in a, you know, basically forever. Yeah. Quick, like 15 second catch up for anyone that has no idea what we're talking about. Um, we talked about this quite a lot in the podcast. Jason loves BJJ, so I, you know, entertain him and ask him questions every now and then. But Gordon Ryan is like the pinnacle of the sport, been undefeated for forever, like, you know, can't be beat, quote unquote. And he recently had a match on UFC Fight Night that we talked about with like a really up and coming friend of, you know, NC Fit, friend of the podcast, Nikki Rod. And I just saw a bunch of buzz on social media about like how close he got to getting him, which again, close still isn't winning. It reminds me of that, uh, scene from the fast and the furious if yeah. you don't remember any racer like, any real racer knows whether you win by a mile or an inch that's I mean, it not that i've quoted that before um <laughs> it's a great movie great movie um yeah, it was close hey. you know so gordon in a in a in a interview though he uh so the way it worked was there was like a i don't want to call it an undercard but there was like a a, a card uh, there was like a um a uh the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? There was a group of guys who were competing for the number one. There was a bracket. There was a bracket of guys who were competing for the number one. Then there was Nikki and Gordon was like the um, premier fight, like the super fight, like the main event. But the co-main event was the winner of 
these this bracket, right? And the bracket had a $25,000 purse. And if I'm not mistaken, I think their fight also had the same purse. So it was a co-main event. One was of the bracket, which Nikki was supposed to be in the bracket, but then he got called up when the other gentleman that Gordon was fighting um, like had issues with his weight cut. And so he had to go to the hospital. So he had, he, he was trying to cut a bunch of weight and I guess he just had issues. Um, so Nikki got called up, but Mason ended up winning the undercard in the co-main event. Right. So he ended up winning the co-main event. And now supposedly Gordon in an interview said that, that, that Mason is his next fight. That's what, that's what the, that's what they're saying. I gotta go see the interview, but so Mason, who's a guy that regularly trains at our gym regularly is like, he, dude, he was, he's at our Tuesday, uh, like team sessions. Like, so to see him now go up against Gordon, it's going to be super exciting. Yeah. It's super cool. I mean, you know, without kind of calling it something else, like you in many respects have been his like strength and conditioning coach, obviously not his BJJ coach, but you've been coaching him to kind of plug some weaknesses on like strength and conditioning side. You've been working with him for a while. Yeah. For a while. So dude, I'm, I'm excited about that. Yeah, it'll be good. It'll be good. Uh, yeah, I, I think it'll be it'll be really exciting um, if it happens. I hope it happens, and I hope both of them, Gordon and Mason, make a ton of money in the process. You know, like I, I think sure. that's really cool to see in jujitsu and CrossFit. I think had this maybe like ten years ago was this big spike um, where the athletes were starting to get paid more and more and more. And now I think it's kind of leveled out because the sponsors kind of see what they could actually pay and get an ROI on. But it's nice to see in jiu-jitsu a growth of the sport, being on UFC Fight Pass and getting new fans and and making more money, man. You know, these guys work really hard and uh, they train hard and they spend a lot of time. And so they should be making good money. Speaking of weight cuts, because you said that, you know, that that guy was having trouble with his weight cuts and, um, you know, bodybuilding. There was a really sad uh, Washington Post article, not to, you know, put a complete downer on this entire podcast, but it, it's crazy, man. So like the competitive sport of bodybuilding is like, dude, it is, it is brutal, brutal. Like these guys are, and gals, because this was a, a, a lady uh, bodybuilder that was um, the subject of the story. Uh, they're like on death's door on that stage, man. They are like completely like in rough shape. Like they have been starving themselves working extremely hard like that level of body fat percentage is like obviously not sustainable but it's like incredibly unhealthy like they are really really like when they get to the stage obviously they then take some time off refuel after that but when they're there on the stage like dude it is not good the state these people are on so the article was about this like controversial coach that's been known for like really pushing the limits of bodybuilders that he works with and recently, one of his athletes, this um, female bodybuilder, uh, newer to the sport, but like very dedicated, wanted to go professional. And they the, the article goes through like the text exchanges between the coach and her. And dude, he had her on an 890 calorie meal plan, 890. That's like what I eat for lunch. I mean, 890 for anyone that like hasn't counted macros or like, doesn't really, it's not a lot of food. (laughs) Dude, that is so little food, so little. So he had around 890 calories and she was her training protocol leading up to the competition had her 
trying to burn 1,100 calories in cardio each day. And the text exchanges, man, it's super sad because she's like talking to the coach saying that like she feels so weak, she can't even get her heart rate high enough to burn that many calories in, you know, two and a half hours of doing cardio. And the guy's like a walk. The, typically what you'll see towards the end is like, it's a lot of walking that's occurring. Yeah. But she like, couldn't burn it. And, and the coach yeah. is like, you got to stick to it. You got to stick to it anyway. Unfortunately, what ended up happening, you know, like the week prior to the competition, you know, she stopped returning phone calls. She didn't do her coaches check-in. So they like pleaded the landlord of her apartment to like, you know, open and see if she was okay. And she was collapsed on the ground, man. And she's in a coma now. She's in a coma, hasn't come out of it. From she has like they say permanent brain damage from like the level of starvation she was in. Um, super sad, man. Super sad. Crazy article. It's in the Washington Post if anyone's interested. But it was it was kind of crazy to like get because it, it's a lengthy art article that really does a good um piece, kind of really diving into like the culture and like this specific coach and like wow. the lengths these athletes go to. Um insane man super sad like young beautiful girl uh that now you know i mean the first thing that comes to mind is like the discipline that's required to even get in that state right yeah and then you know for the coach uh you know obviously i i hope this is a wake-up call for all the coaches right i mean it's it's difficult especially like over text threads and stuff i wonder how much they were engaged in person or if this was just an online uh relationship because if it's an online relationship you know, there's probably a part of the coach who's saying, oh, she could do more, she could do more. But I imagine if she, if he had met her or he or she sure. or whatever it was in person, be like, oh, shit, like this person's really – and I don't know the background. I don't know the story. I'm just saying, like, I wonder how yeah. much this was remote versus in person. But, you know, um, my early experience with bodybuilding was at the gym. So I was working the front desk. This is when I was in high school. And there was a woman there. I'll never forget this woman. She would come in, so there's a bunch of people who are bodybuilders there, of course. But this one woman, she was a personal trainer there, very dedicated. She'd come in and she would, I think, to balance out her pH levels, she'd be drinking like vinegar. Um, and she would have all of her food like properly, like the dedication. I, I just, well, I, I, it just, even to this day, I remember the dedication these bodybuilders had as they were preparing for their shows. And like then they reduce the salt intake, then they reduce the water intake, then they're on the treadmill for like two hours trying to sweat things. It's just, it's a whole different ball game. I think people, um, they don't realize the dedication that's required. Mm -hmm. That when you get on that stage and you're all like glammed up and they're, you know, they they have their tan or whatever it is. Like one of the things I was talking to somebody about was one of the biggest issues that a lot of these bodybuilders have is they have to develop the. So when I was with Hani Rombod, he had me do sessions and then afterwards hold flex positions and when you're holding flex position dude it's fucking hard man to hold a flex position these guys are on stage fatigued as can be right at three percent body fat or whatever it is holding positions and i think that you know he was just explaining to me like that's one of the most difficult things ever is being this fatigued and then being able to hold positions flexing while you're so like depleted so shout out to all the bodybuilders and their discipline, but at the same time, like that's a super sad story. And I'm sorry to hear that that happened. You know, it's, it's just, there, there's extremes in everything. And that's an example of one. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, other thing I wanted to talk about you today is, uh, so I know you did, uh, that 70 calorie road test yesterday. Oh, did you do it? I did not do it. I, oh, I, 
I had every intention to this morning, if we're being honest, but I went out there and I like started rowing a little bit. And I was like, dude, those tests, cause I know you did it in an obnoxiously fast time. What was your time? 147. Yeah. Dude, that is, that, that's fast. What, what were you looking, what were you seeing on the screen most well, of the time? So- so just to add some context, so we have these Tuesday sessions and we test workouts coming up at NC Fit. It's really important to me. Um, I actually just did a couple of clip on this, like walk the walk, talk the talk. Like it's really important to me. Like I still coach class and I still take class and we test our workouts. It's just something that's like, I'll never let go of because I feel like when we test workouts, we get such great feedback and we can adjust the workouts for the greater community that do our workouts. So we, we test our workouts every Tuesday in a group environment. Some of us do our performance version. Some of us do our fitness version. Well, in this particular case, um, there was probably like maybe like 10 of us. They're all coaches at our gym. And Zach, who's one of our more competitive CrossFitters, comes in and he just, he always talks shit, dude. He always talks shit. I mean, dude, he always talks shit. And so this time he comes in, he's like, hey man, I just did a two minute, uh, or a, I just did a, a 70 cal road test and I, I think I could beat you. Uh, what, what do you think you can get? And I'm like, this guy. And for some reason, I wanted to do it. I think if he had said, hey, I want you to do a 500 meter road test, I wouldn't have done it. Or, hey, I want you to do a 1K, I wouldn't have done it. Because I've done those so many times. But I've never done a 70 cal road test. So I was like, all right. So as part of our warm-up, um, we did it. And uh, I, I, I can't remember exactly. I got 147. But, dude, it was at like calorie 50 you're, you're in the gutter, man. Like you're in the, you're, you're in the, you're in the red. And uh, then you got to fight through for those next 20 calories. So I think he got either right below two minutes or right over. And then some of the other guys I was with, like they were doing really good. And then once it got to 50 cows, it's just like, and so I think they ended up like at two thirty or something like that, which is still great. Still impressive, man. That that's funny though. Um, yeah, that time frame, like that time domain of like anywhere from like one thirty to three minutes, you got to be in like a very specific mindset to hit that. It's like, it's not a sprint. Cause it's going to, you're going to get past the point where you're numb and just going all out crazy. And you're going to have to like hurt for a good amount of time, but it's also obviously not long enough that you can like, okay, let me find a pace and settle in. There's no settle. Like, no. You can settle and then you're going to do it in like four minutes, but you know, you really have to like, all right, I'm, I'm in here and I'm staying in here for a minute, which is like the longest minute you'll ever be in. Well, dude. And then, and then what happens at these training sessions is that you have a, you have a group of people who, you know, they have full-time jobs. And so they, they, they are on a clock when they get in there, we start at nine 30, whatever it is, they're done, ready to rock by 11 or whatever it is. So, you know, I chose to do this additional, uh, test. And so they're already setting up their barbells for a deadlift, handstand push-up assault bike workout that's coming up at nc fit and it was a five round workout so me mason austin the three of us guys we did the seven cows and dude these guys are already getting ready they're about to start like literally three minutes later and i'm i'm in the red i'm like dude i, I need to i need to take the first <laughs> round off so i took the first round off and then joined them for the subsequent rounds so we ended up doing um it was a five reps at 315 10 handstand pushups. And then with the remaining time in two minutes, max cows on the bike, that was a five round workout with the rest in between that's coming up at the, at the gym. That was a good workout. Then workout. bro, bro. So then, okay, we do, we do the 70 cal test then we do this deadlift handstand pushup, whatever test. And then we have another one to test. So we test, uh, we test hang clean and jerk and box jumps. 
And it was supposed to be three five-minute AMRAPs, but we ended up changing the workout to um, shorten the AMRAPs. But that was a really good example of how testing the workouts is so important because one of the key things we want is we want our workouts to be fun. And like, dude, five minutes of clean and jerks at 95 pounds and box jumps, five minutes for three rounds, it was not fun. Like, dude, you got three minutes in, you're like, bro, this is this, this is shitty. So we adjusted the workout. That was a good example of why we test the workouts. How do you balance? How do we balance? Um, you know, I'm I'm obviously not on on the programming side. Um, you're a little bit more involved since you're testing the workouts, giving feedback. I am curious though, because I feel like a lot of people listening, you know, sometimes workouts do have to be shitty, right? Like, like there is something to be gained from the time where like, Hey, three minutes of this would have been, like you said, fun, five minutes or shitty. How do in your head, when you test workouts, do you balance that? Well, I think like for me, I'm okay with shitty, right? Like I'm, I'm okay with, with a workout that's difficult. I'm not afraid of that. What I, what I don't like though, is like when you're this workout in particular was, um, two hang clean and jerks, two box jumps, four, four, six, six, eight, eight, all the way up in five minutes, rest 90 seconds, repeat for three rounds. That was the original version. And I just remember getting like two and a half, three minutes in. And at that point you're already like on tens or whatever. And just being like, dude, this is like, like, I don't know, man. Like it's because it was a couplet, right? It was just two movements. It just felt very repetitive. And I think there's a difference between if you want to go longer and be five minutes adding in another movement could have been cool, but I just feel like, um, for hard workouts, let's just say it's like a, I don't know, a row burpee box jump for 20 minutes. Okay. I'm down with that. At least there's a little bit of variety when you're just like back and forth and back and forth. I think that you have to be careful on how long you go for to keep the members engaged. Otherwise what they'll do is they'll just be looking at the bar a lot. Um, and, uh, it's not something that's exciting to them. So I think you have to balance like what people want and exciting with what they need with, with, space considerations. There's a lot of factors, but for me, I, I go out a lot off of like how I feel like what, what, what does this workout make me feel? And if it makes me feel like, okay, this is a good test. This is a good workout. And not every day has to be like a, you know, sparklers. Right. But it should be something that's like very, it should be cool. Like yesterday, for example, I'll, I'll give you one more example. Yesterday we're filming videos for the collective, which is again, our, our daily coaching videos. And the original workout was intended to have um, uh, Bulgarian split squats with a, with a, with a back rack. So, uh, back rack Bulgarian split squats. The problem with that is just from a practical application in a class setting, it's very difficult to get a barbell on the back. Then you step back and you have to put your foot on either a bench or a box and then descend down into a Bulgarian split squat, super effective movement, but a lot easier with just a set of dumbbells or whatever. So we switched that exercise to just a split squat instead of Bulgarian split squat, which makes it way easier to coach and just way easier to get into the position. Those are like little nuances that we think about to help our, you know, to help make it flow better. And I think that that's, you know, without turning this in, in into a full on plug for the collective, although, you know, if you haven't signed up, you definitely should. Um, <laughs> I think that that's what makes us unique. You know, it, yeah. it really is because I, I posted something on, on Instagram the other day, you know, I think we get so caught up in, in like, you know, better movements, worse movements. We've had this talk about the up down, right? Like at nauseum, like so many people 
you know, have this tunnel vision that like, you know, the up down is like a scaled burpee. If you're going to put it up down in a workout, why not make it a burpees? And, you know, we've said this time and time again, they're just different movements. One saves you from the push of a burpee and also never gives you a reason or an excuse to just like flop on the ground and stop. It kind of keeps you going. We'll keep the heart rate up. So it's a perfect example too, with the Bulgarian split squat, like the Bulgarian split squat is an amazing movement. It's going to activate the glutes in a very specific way. It's going to really kind of challenge the range of motion with the front knee. But to your point, like how practical is it? And how much of the benefits that you can get from the Bulgarian split squat can you get with just the regular split squat and now make your life easier as a coach, make your life easier as a gym owner, and also just make it less intimidating, less confusing for the members so that, you know, they're not there fumbling around, losing their balance, like trying to find, you know, the bench behind them, like also potentially like getting injured. Like it just removes so many layers of things that can go wrong while still, I would say getting 80, 90% of the benefits that you can get from the original movement that you intended to use. Yeah. And all you need to do to, to you, there was two ways we could have adjusted that workout. We could have adjusted it by grabbing dumbbells or a kettlebell instead of a barbell on your back. I think that would have made a lot different doing Bulgarian split squats because you have to put your foot on a on an elevated position. Mm. Or if you want to keep the barbell, which was the intention of the day, then just go with the split squat. So those are like the things that, and look, there's no perfect answer to any of this. We just, we just try and think through as much as we can and then evolve and grow. And um, you know, one other thing, so one other thing that came up yesterday, which I I actually sent you a video of this. I I had never thought about this. And um when doing wall walks, this is interesting. When doing wall walks, I typically begin my wall walk. So wall walk is what you're basically chest on the floor, feet are against the wall, and you walk your feet up and get your chest to the wall, and then you walk back down. It's a cool movement, shoulder stamina, core strength, whatever. I was talking to one of our coaches, her name's Margo, and instead of going up into a push-up position and then walking from there, she pushes up into a pike position so her butt's way up in the air like or downward dog position right like a like and then from there it gives you more range of motion when you kick up your foot for the first position so watch out on instagram we'll be putting this up eventually but the the difference is instead of going from a push-up position you go from your pike up like butt up position and it gives you about another foot for when you go for your first step onto the wall it's hard to explain virtual uh, you know vi uh audio wise but it, it was a it's just a good example of I've been doing this for a really long time and I hadn't seen that before. Yeah, it's cool, man. Yeah, there's so many different ways to tackle movements, especially if you're like really trying to improve times, move a little quicker, cycle them quicker, which I know, you know, Margo interested on the competitive side um, is thinking about things yeah, we that have, way. So that's that's an interesting tip. Yeah, I definitely want to talk about RPE, but before we get there, I want to let you know the brisket that I sent you a picture of, okay? <laughs> so- I've done maybe four pastrami's in my life. And this last one turned out good. Not not perfect, but good. And so for those people interested in, in making a pastrami, it's not as intimidating as you think, with the exception of brining for five days. So you grab a brisket like you would normally smoke. You put it in a cooler outside if it's cold or, or your refrigerator in a brine that has what's called pink curing salt, which is one of the major components of it, plus a bunch of other stuff. And you brine it for four to five days, and then you smoke it like you would a brisket. And man, you put that on some sourdough bread 
with some pickles and some sauerkraut and some mayonnaise. Woo! Woo! I just want to throw that idea out there for anybody that's interested. Try a pastrami. It won't let you down. Man, pastrami. Good old New York staple pastrami Dude. sandwich. So I'm currently brining another one for Christmas right now. So I, I had a, I had one last week as a test. Now this time I'm, I'm ready for the, for the main show. Man, taking it seriously. I like it. I like it. But um, the other thing that I, I had kind of slotted for us to talk about here, and it's a good segue from this idea of like, you know, testing the 70 calories and, and how we approach workouts and, you know, sometimes it being shittier than other times. You know, I know that when I kind of first started doing this type of training, especially because like, you know, there's a leaderboard, there's a score involved, like we've all been there, right? When you start doing CrossFit style, going to a functional fitness gym, it's all about like, you know, everything's for time, everything's for a score. So it gamifies, right? Like, like if you see a workout again, you want to beat that score. If there's a scoreboard and you're anything like me, if you're slightly competitive, you're going to want to see like, where do you rank up in that scoreboard? And so it turns every workout into a test in that, you know, if the goal is to either climb the leaderboard or if it's a workout you've done before, beat your time, that by definition turns the workout into a test, right? Like it becomes black and white. Like, did I get better or did I not? And that tends, like people tend to put weight on that as to is the fitness I'm doing working? Am I getting fitter? Am I moving in the right direction? And while there's definitely some validity to that, I think that a lot of people, me included, have gotten to the point now where, you know, once those PRs don't start happening on a linear basis, it messes with your head, you know, like, like for you, for example, I mean, I don't think you're going to be PRing Jackie anytime soon, but does that mean that you're not benefiting from going to the gym and training on a regular basis? I don't no. think I'm be PRing. I don't think I'm PRing anything in fitness. <laughs> I, I'm PRing on the jujitsu mats. That's about it. Um, my, right. my, my fitness has reached its uh, pinnacle in regards to strength and conditioning and, and CrossFit. And, and the other thing that, you know, has this topic top of mind. Um, so if you've been subscribing to the EOE newsletter we send out, we've been doing, you know, this Q&A series for the past five weeks. And we actually got a really good question from one of our members at one of our corporate locations. And that was the question we answered on this last Monday's email. Um, and it was about the same idea of like a training plateau, right? Like, Everyone goes through this journey of like PR, 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 because we're constantly testing. And then it's like, well, I'm not getting stronger. I'm not getting fitter anymore. So I guess my question to you and where we can kind of start this conversation to finish up this episode is like, how often do you really need to go to the gym and like do a test? Like how often do you need to go and approach something with a, am I going to beat a certain time? Am I going to beat like a certain amount of peers mentality? Is that honestly zero? Is there a benefit to it every now and then? Um, or as I probably suspect, and we can kind of get into this, does it really just depend? I, I mean, the answer is it depends on your own individual goals, right? Like, so for me, if you ask me like, what are my current fitness goals, right? I want to look good. I want to feel good. I want to perform. Um, I don't necessarily care about PRing my back squat, but if I did, I would want to test it, right? So I think what's important is, here at NC Fit, we have like these cycles that we get on for eight weeks, nine, you know, whatever, where we're building up to a heavy deadlift, a heavy back squat. I talked to a gentleman yesterday and he PR'd his back squat by like 30 pounds. I'm like, dude, that was huge for him. Like, so I think there's a lot of benefit to testing lifts because it shows you progress and it kind of 
especially like if you're older, like if you're in your forties, fifties, sixties, and you're PRing, like that's pretty badass, right? Um, so I think that there's a huge benefit to that. Uh, if you're on a cycle, so that that's what I'd say. I, I think like if it's just like a, I think there's a benefit to testing. Yes, I think that you should be testing something that's important to you on a regular basis, if that makes sense. So like if it's important to you, it's worth testing. If it's not important to you, then don't test it. Like if it's important to you to get a better grace time and grace is 30 clean and jerks for time in the CrossFit space, if that's important to you, if that's something that like calls to you internally, you should work to try and achieve a, a better score for that. And you should be excited about it because that keeps you motivated and, and fired up about fitness. But if that doesn't call to you, maybe find something else that does. And maybe what calls to you is just using the gym as a catalyst to go do PRs outside the gym, like hiking with your family. So I think it just depends, like how often should you test depends on your own individual fitness goals and like what's important to you. That being said, I do think that there's a lot of value in testing things if you're especially newer to training because it gives you huge motivation. Like, dude, oh, I just PR'd by 50 pounds. Like, what the fuck? Like, that's awesome. And then you go tell your friends. So I don't know. It's kind of a long-winded answer, I guess. No, but it's 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 the right answer, right? Like a lot of these things unfortunately end up with it depends, but I think you broke it down well in that, you know, it definitely serves a purpose if you're on a cycle where like, hey, there's a specific goal here. Like I'm building up to PR a certain lift. So then, yeah, you should test before you should test after that'll tell you how, you know, efficient that cycle was what you actually got out of it, you know, in the new NC fit workout um, in January, we have a cycle starting up in January, that is going to be working on power versions of the clean jerk and the snatch and use the deadlift and the front squat to kind of build the requisite strength to build on those Olympic lifts. So definitely check that out if you haven't. But I think another thing that's going to be super helpful for anyone that's using our programming, whether it's someone on the app or if you're a collective gym or if you're a member at a collective gym or obviously our members at our gym, is this idea of RPE. And we don't have to spend too much time talking about it. I'd, I'd actually think that it'd be really cool to get MDV back on a show to like deep dive into the idea of RPE. But I think what's cool about us adding, incorporating that into our programming is that it kind of gives athletes an idea of the days that should feel like tests and the days that shouldn't. Because yes, we do workouts that for the most part are four time or four reps. But some days that'll be, an RPE 7 rate of perceived exertion, which is different than an RPE 10. If you're testing grace and that's a benchmark and we did it three months ago and we want to test your progress, that's going to be listed as an RPE 10. You're maxing out that day. But if it's just the workout that you said before, you know, 315 deadlifts, handstand pushups and max calories in their salt bike, I'm not sure exactly what the RPE is on that, but I'm assuming it's, it's like, like a seven. seven yeah. It's like a seven or an eight, right? Because you have a heavy deadlift. So you want to make sure that you're approaching that you know, not super crazy, but like, you know, you're doing it methodically. It should be a weight that you have to think about. Um, and then you have handstand pushups, which is just a little bit higher skill. So it's also a workout that doesn't lend itself to like eyes closed, max out, like see you on the dark side kind of workout. And I think that like having that guidance is going to be really helpful for people because yes, that workout that you mentioned, it has a score attached to it, right? Like how many calories did you get across those five rounds? But just because it has a score doesn't mean it's always RP 10. And everyone, I feel like in our space, if you've been doing this kind of training for years, that's kind of like what you always default to. 
RP10, 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 because there's a score attached to it. But I think it's going to be really helpful to be able to look at a workout and see, okay, is this a six? Is this a seven? Um, Anyway, I'm super excited. We're getting shirts made for RP10 all the time. RP10 always. Always. Uh, The RP thing, I think, is a really cool addition to the programming that we're doing because it creates a good vernacular conversation with our members about what we're looking for. You know, you brought up a great point. Like the the 70 cal row is RP10. Oh, yeah. Other workout is RP7 because so basically what we're looking for is we're assigning a score to an individual's rate of their perceived exertion. So your perceived exertion is different than like your perceived exertion and mine they might be different outputs, but they're the same thing, right? Like if I say, hey, this is your all-out effort, your all-out effort is the same as my, my all-out effort in terms of like holistically what I'm trying to do. Now, I might perform better or perform worse or whatever, but we're both trying to accomplish the same rate of perceived exertion. So I think that, look, it's not a, it's, it is a shift in the way we're doing things because I think it's going to help our members come in with that day better aware of what we're trying to accomplish and not every day is RP 10, but there are some days that are RP 10. And when it is RP 10, you got to let the wheels off a little bit, but letting, you're not going to let the wheels off on a 315 deadlift. And that's, what's really important for our members to recognize that it's okay to slow down. Like what I cue, I cued, um, so Mason, the jiu-jitsu athlete, he did that deadlift workout with me. I cued him this. I said, Hey man, here's what's really important. He did push press instead of handstand pushup. I said, Hey, look, push press, get them unbroken, make it heavy, work hard, deadlift, take a, take a breath, slow down, make sure you move well, super important. Do not go fast there, but on that bike, go crazy. So that's the way I described it to him, which is in other words, say, Hey, RP seven on all this. And, and in general, it's an RP seven, right? Like in general, cause you, yeah, yeah, for sure. You, you know what I mean? But there'll be some aspects that you lend themselves to pushing a little bit more than the others. The average of the workout, the approach of it should be a seven. Um, Exactly. The last thing I'll mention that I think is super helpful, and I have a perfect example of why it's so helpful, is the fact that there'll be an RP attached not only to every workout, but every strength component. So if the day's training has a five by three on the front squat and then a workout that follows it, there will be an RP for the front squat component and there'll be an RP for the workout component. And the reason that I love that as opposed to what a lot of other programming providers do, which is percentage work, is that, you know, for me, for example, now there are some nights with a newborn that I get really shitty sleep. There are some nights that I get a little bit better sleep. If I'm training and I go to the gym and like, hey, today we're doing five by three at 85%. I'm going to pull out my calculator. I'm going to figure out what that is. And it's going to give me a number. And I'm going to feel like if I don't feel great today and I just can't hit that number or that number is like an absolute grind and I'm like failing the third rep because I got terrible sleep last night, I'm going to inevitably feel like I couldn't hit the stimulus. It was a little bit of a failure. Like I just didn't get what coach or the programming wanted out of that workout today just because I used the calculator. It spit out a number at me. And I thought that like if I didn't get that number, like the day was a failure. And I know a lot of people default to thinking that way. Whereas now, if I approach it and coach is like, hey, today's an RP8, should be tough, but nowhere near max. It gives me the flexibility to where, because I'm not feeling super great, that number might be lower, but it still feels like an eight. It still feels tough, but not impossible. And I think that that's going to give athletes, I know that that's going to give athletes a lot of flexibility to be able to go and attack these strength portions appropriately 
regardless of other stuff that might be going on. They might not hit a 225, which would have been their 85%. It might be 185 today, but it still feels like an RP8, which is perfect. That's what we want to see from a programming perspective. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, one of the things about percentages I think is interesting is like, I worked off percentages for, you know, for a while when I was really competing and percentages always threw me off a little bit because like you said, there's some days you're feeling fire, man. Well, maybe instead of going 90%, you should just go for a one rep max. Like, let's go. Yeah. Other days, maybe you're not feeling as good. So I think that for us, especially with our members, it became kind of confusing because, you know, it's like, hey, I want you to 80%. And members would always come up and be like, I don't know what my 80% is. Be like, oh, well, it's going to be roughly this for you. You're doing that as a coach anyways. You're like, hey, it's going to be roughly this. Like you see someone, you know your members, and you give them an idea of what to look for. Now, I, I think this direction of where we're going with rate of perceived exertion, I, I think is going to be the future for a lot of gyms because it, it, it enables to consider multiple different factors instead of just being so strict on the percentage while still working towards goals of hitting improved numbers. So I, I think, I think we're, we're evolving and growing. And I think RP is a great way to do it. I mean, in our gyms, it's pretty cool. I sent you a video. You didn't like it, but I, uh, in our gyms right now, we put up new posters that are RPE posters. One is for strength and one is for the workout. Um, and I, I think they're great because our members are now going to start seeing them like, ah, and so that when the coach says, Hey guys, you know, RP, whatever here, check out on this, on this poster. I just think it just adds more to what we're looking for, for that day. It's another reason why I think breaking out performance and fitness is so good for us is that the reason why it's good is that neither workout is better or worse. They're just different. And I think that when you talk about RP, you're setting the tone that, Hey, the RP today is seven. Like don't feel unaccomplished if you don't PR, because this is our goal, right? It, it, it just sets the goal. It sets the expectation better for our members. I think it allows them to leave with a win. It's not that I didn't like the video. I just want to do justice to these beautiful charts that our design team put out. And the video was mirrored. It was all backwards. Anyway, we're going to share the RPE stuff on social media. Don't you guys worry. And on that note, actually, if you are a collective gym, you will have access to the RPE chart. So you can print them out, put them up at your gym. They look badass. They're going to be on the platform that you have access to. And if you don't have access to those, email in. We're happy to kind of give you a sneak peek, but that's a tool that we have for our collective gyms so that they can start using this RPE tool and not just explain it to people, but really have a really cool visual chart that they can point to and more easily communicate, hey, this is what we're looking for today on the RP7. Yeah. I mean, the only feedback I have, I think the posters are great. We should have written on the bottom, which we will. We can make an adjustment rate of perceived exertion. We never defined RPE on there. So our members, whatever, but for the collective, maybe we can make that adjustment. But uh, I think we'll get that's a, we'll get a version two out. The, the version two, right? Hey, version one was great. Version two is going to be greater. It's <laughs> never good. settle. Never settle. Um, yeah, man. Well, dude. I, uh, I'm glad to hear that at back widows legit. I might need a, I might need to look into one of those for myself. And, um, I, uh, I'm trying to think of what else from a training perspective, it's been a tough week. I'm actually headed out right now to one of our corporate sites to do 12 days of Christmas. So Ooh. that should be interesting. Um, nice. I think that'll probably be all dumbbell. I, well, I don't know what it's going to be actually. I'm, I'm, um, we'll see. I don't know. Yeah. Cool, man. Yeah. Hey, um, last thing, um, a gentleman came to the gym's name's uh, jujitsu flow. And he, uh, oh boy, he did these, uh, Gramby rolls and I put it up on my Instagram. If you guys want to check it out, they look a lot easier than they are. Uh, someone wrote there. It's funny how you're struggling, but five-year-olds can do it so easily. I'm like, yeah, you're right. 
It's the truth. You're basically, you're sitting facing the wall. You rotate over a shoulder with the intention of having, when you get back to a position, still facing the wall. So essentially your feet go up over your head and you rotate your head in. It's a jujitsu position. Um, I put it up on Instagram if you guys want to try it, but uh, it just requires a little bit of coordination and some like a, like flexibility. So it's a cool movement to incorporate. I, I put it up on IG as one of the workouts of the day. Coordination and flexibility, something all CrossFit athletes have a lot of. So it'll be interesting to see some people try that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, make sure if uh, if you're not on the weekly emails, make sure to check out the link in the podcast show notes. Also, if you guys have been listening to this with Gabe and I or the Kafa Kalipas and you haven't left a rating or review, it really helps the podcast. Um, you know, it just, it helps us. It helps the podcast. It grows the podcast. So tell a friend, leave a rating. It'll take you 30 seconds and we would really appreciate it. So that's all I got, brother. I, uh, I hope we can get after it again next week. Hell yeah, man. That was fun. Oh, 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 oh